Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary stats. Goal by my hand, a three-point goal for Dax my hand. I just got chill up. We're uh, here with uh, Circuit Court Judge Dennis Faust talking about Coach Hatcher. You know, I was a Reedland kid, right? Transferred up here to play basketball, but but I'll tell you something that Alan Hatcher did before I ever came to, to Marshall County uh-huh. that left an indelible mark on me. Goheen, their best player, was mm-hmm. late for the bus against Reedland that yeah. night. I don't know if you recall that because we, no, were, I, I we was... were really excited to watch uh, Marshall County come play at Reedland. Right, sure, uh, sure. And so he was late, and Coach Hatcher uh, did not start him, and I don't think played him the first quarter or and actually made him get his own ride to the ball game. They didn't wait when it – when it was time for the bus to leave, they shut the door oh, and took off. That, yeah. And you know, I never forgot that. Yeah. And, and, and it left such a mark on me that I am, if it's up to me now, you know, there are other factors in my life. I'm yep. married and, right. but if it's up to me, if you're leaving at five o'clock, I'm there at 445. Well, sound same way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but you know, you talk about Alan, mm-hmm. uh, he was the best at preparation, but I'll tell you what Alan also did. He had a skill. He watched his little league program. He would go around to three or four different gyms, duck in for a few minutes. He might get in there between games and see three or four kids and tell them, hey, nice job out there. Make them feel. He always tried to make everybody feel like they were part of the program. And over time, and there are a lot of reasons why. And I'll tell you, one of the things uh, that that is a concern is that our little league program has gotten to the point where you don't have that many teams anymore. And then so many of them, are going out and banding together. They pick parents decide who the best five players are at age seven. And I'm telling you, it's killing us. It's killing our program. Yeah. Uh, because what they don't understand, and I'm going to say something here that people may think is controversial. If you want to know why we don't have the number of fans at ball games anymore, it's because when, when you cut parents out when parents make that decision the coaches don't have anything they don't have any control over it they can't control it but when you have overbearing parents then other people say well i don't care if their kid plays or not. i'm not gonna go out there and support them you're losing something within the community yeah. and i'm telling you it's hurting us yeah it has because the enthusiasm now isn't what it once was and the only people that are going to change that are the parents of the kids coming up. Yeah. And the only way they do that is by – but they're not, but the problem is the product is no better. It's probably right. not as good. That's right. Because by the time they get to the high school, they don't have the fundamental skills. You know, Travis Turner and I were talking. We played together at Murray right. State Baseball. Yeah. And uh, I ran into him in one of these summer league games at the sports play – or the uh, RSEC, CFSB yeah. Center sure. now. sure. And, uh, he, he's, we just got to talking about how much ball that our kids are playing in the summer. And he said, he said, you know, we never play this much basketball. And he said, I would argue we're better than the kids today. Our high school teams 
were better. Maybe maybe we didn't do certain things as good as these do, but I, I would argue that our quality of basketball was better than a lot that I see today. Would you echo that? I agree 100%. And, again, it goes back to fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, see, the game has changed so much. Well, has it? Well, everybody tells me it has. Yes, it, it has changed, and not for the better, mm-hmm. because you don't get – I know I, I was talking to Gus one night after Marshall County game, and I, he was frustrated. I'll go to bat for Gus Gillespie. I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, this, they want to gripe. Sometimes he asks them to do something simple, and they look at him, they don't have any idea what he's talking about. And it's like, wait a second, uh, what's happened? But again, we had a great program in place. The problem is, it's not... The program is only as good as the people who are working it. But we're playing too much, like you said. Yeah. Too much summertime. Kids need a chance to be a kid. Yeah. A 16-year-old needs to be a 16-year-old. No, they don't need to be out doing things to get them in trouble. But if parents are supervising them, sometimes kids are going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging that. And I don't want this to ever be taken as something that is saying, Oh, well, Judge Faust said it's okay for me to get in trouble. Uh It's not by any stretch. But, you know... Dead period ends today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to hate the dead period because of its effect on baseball. I learned when Chandler was in high school, the dead period is the greatest thing that ever happened. There's only one thing wrong with it. It's not long enough. Yeah, I would agree. Bottom line, it's not long enough. Yeah. You know, I just wish that the KHSAA would do something about it. You know, going back to – Coach Hatcher in the program. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing I remember coming up here as a ninth grader at North, you know, when Coach Hatcher walked into the gym to watch North and Benton play, Uh you know, ninth grade game back then and, or or North and South or or whatever, every ball player on the court that had dreams of playing high school basketball knew he was in the gym. And the level of play stepped up and you minded your P's and Q's and you played as hard as you could play because you knew he was watching. And, and, you know, that is one thing, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, knock any particular coach or whatever, but you, I don't seem to see that as much, and, and not just Marshall County at any of the schools. I don't see it anywhere. Yeah. I think that's a sign of the times, too, because – and I'm going to – to defend the coaches some, and I'm not going to totally defend them, but part of the problem is is that a lot of times when they do show up, they've got an irate parent who's wanting to – Yell and scream at them, mm-hmm. and and it takes away from anything they would be able to do. But like you said, but they wouldn't have screamed at Hatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't scream. I bet they don't scream at Joe Morris at Mayfield. I don't believe have? they do either. Yeah, uh, they didn't scream at Bach either. Yeah, they didn't scream at Jim Shelton. Yeah, but that that's so true. But that again, going back, to, see, Allen would also hit the little league games, and we've had other coaches who do the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Well, I say is just go go rub rub some kid's head. Say, hey, nice job. What Allen would do, he knew he knew how to maximize his time. Yeah. He he could be in a gym for 15 minutes and then go to another gym for 15 minutes and then to another gym. And then people say, Coach Hatcher told me good job. But he also tried to invite the players out to the high school. Mm-hmm. Of course, we used to, in Little Dribblers, we used to bring them out and perform at halftime of games. Yeah. Um, you know, I recall that so many of the tournaments, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the Marshall County right. system, but I remember you guys had tournaments at the high school and Coach Hatcher would make the players who were the kind of the idols to these young kids uh-huh. referee the basketball games. That's I yes. mean, that was hey. He would say, "Hey, Saturday, you're coming, and you know we oh. weren't getting paid. We were there to ref. Yes, you were, and well, that was it. Well, uh, and then when I started scheduling the refs, and we started paying them a little bit, I'd say, Alan, don't have a referee here. 
so and so, you're going so and so. Get your shirt on. You're going to referee. Yeah, and he right. would, he would take care of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember I remember spending entire days at the high school gym refing basketball games. Oh yeah, as a junior. And sure, senior, you sure. Know? In fact, uh, that may have been where I actually met the legend. <laughs> <laughs> His legendary calls refereeing, you think? <laughs> you know, uh, one of my first introductions to Little League basketball, I'm not going to say who, but the uh, parent of a teammate of mine who had a younger sister playing ball, uh, you know, I saw him, he was coaching the game. I thought, man, this will be an easy one. And uh, he gave me down the road the entire yeah. game. And uh, I remember thinking, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. No, no. And, and again, that goes back to, uh, I've always said there are a lot of great, a lot of people in, in Marshall County who, wonderful people until they coach a basketball team or have a kid playing little league basketball. And then they become one of the most, one of the biggest blithering idiots the world has ever seen. Dennis, you know, we're talking about the little league program. What kind of ideas do you have to, to resurrect or to, or to bring that program back? You know, you've got parents who want to help. Um, you know, and the ship's listing a little bit now. What are things we can do to try to bring that back around? I'm not really sure. To be honest, I haven't been around the Little League basketball program as much over the past few years. I do think they have been trying to do some things to right the ship. One of the things is you have to educate the parents. I think the first thing you have to do is you have to educate the parents on what the real problem is. That is something that is, is, that's the hardest part of it is to make a parent realize that you may have the best of intentions, but you're not helping the situation. You have to, you know, we've talked about having parents coach teams that their child did not play on, but it takes educating both parents, the father and the mother. That's sometimes easier said than done. And again, I'm not trying to be sexist because it, swings both ways men and women alike are not rational with respect to the expectations of their child and again we're trying to rush them we want them we want them to catch coach gillespie's eye in the fourth grade well guess what coach gillespie's not going to touch that kid for five more years coach simmons is not going to touch that kid for five more years let the child develop Teach the basics. Go back to teaching the basics. Quit worrying about rushing down to the plex or whatever somebody's making money off of. Why are we giving our money away? Because you were with Coach Hatcher, and this is something that Shane and I have talked about a little bit. And I'm going to ask you the question because the way I remember it may not be how it actually was. But the way I remember was that Coach Hatcher would have a clinic for all the little league coaches, is yes, that not correct? Absolutely. And and, and he yes. would teach them his basic offense. Right. And and establish the expectations for the league. Right. And how they're going to do it. Is that oh, something that do you recall that? Yes, that's exactly what we did. Oh, do I recall it? Uh <laughs> yeah, I was the one who I mean, Alan says, you get them get the people out here. That was one of my jobs. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I I was trying to establish a law practice when Alan was here, uh, before I became district judge, and I was a, I always felt like I was a, a almost a full time employee of Alan Hatcher, unpaid. But I enjoyed it, and because I knew that what we were doing was the right thing, it was the right way to do things. The only way we were going to teach the coaches is to have those clinics, get them out there. Then we would have a referee clinic, and because we also not only did, and this was kind of built in, although. 
nobody ever really understood one of the things that we tried to do with the referees also teach them to referee the game in such a way as they're also coaching too in a sense but oh no we got winning is more important than teaching i got news and this is the one thing i wish parents would understand some kids have it what is it I can't define it. You can't define it. But we know it when, when we, we see, see it. Wasn't there a famous ruling about that? And let's getting into the, you know, my vast legal knowledge. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a, a certain ruling that came out a long time ago about the judge saying he, he didn't, he couldn't define pornography, that one, yes. but he knew it when he, he saw it. He knew it when he saw it. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's right. That is so true. Yeah. But it, it's the same thing. Here's the thing. If I have to teach a child competitive edge or competitive nature i honestly i'm probably wasting my time what i need to teach is the fundamental how to play the right way to play the fundamentals that will help you to you know again in football blocking and tackling in basketball the proper way to shoot a basketball the way to dribble it defensive position how to play defense how to set a pick how to work within a team concept in baseball, how to move a runner over, the importance of hitting the ball to the right side. Did you just curse, Dennis? No. Moving a runner over? Are you are you referring to the bunt? Oh, heavens, I might be. <laughs> or I <laughs> might many, be. To many kids and parents, that is a curse word, the We bunt. have kids. I'm going to tell you what, and here's something that I wish every kid that played for me this summer understands this. What they don't realize is... They're making, they're, they're making an impression. When a kid reluctantly bunts, they might as well forget about their future. Mm. Now, they may not be very good at it. I had two or three kids. I'd ask them to bunt. They'd try. To this day, have yet to move a runner. But you know something? They tried. They did. They tried. And I, there were a couple of them. I said, we'll spend extra time working on it. They still have a chance. They will have a chance to play some because they're trying to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, some aren't as gifted as others. And, and when I talk about moving a runner over, not yeah. only am I talking about bunting. Right. Hitting behind runners. Hitting behind a runner. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to pull a curveball and popping it up, wait, take it to right field. You know, you have a whole field to work with. Some of our kids learned how to do that. Yeah. Some of them still don't have any concept. And the ones who don't get that message, who think that they can go out there and, well, first of all, most of them aren't that good. They're not as good as they think they are. But some of them have a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent out there. But if you don't harness it and you don't teach it, no kid should be think that they're too good to bunt. Yeah. Uh, if they want to play by because one thing about it, any kid who can bunt can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm a kid out there and I played this summer and bunting was my weakness, guess what I'm going to work on the fall? Yeah. Bunting. Yeah. I'm going to you know, try to I get always, I always tell people Steve Finley basically bunted his way to the major leagues. He, he developed power later. Right. But he was, you know, Doc Heidegg talked about that. He 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 was the best bunter I had. Mm-hmm. He bunted all the way up. I remember when he first got to the major leagues, it seems like every time I would watch him on TV, that's what he was doing, yeah. bunting. And, you then, know, and, I, and I tell my kids, if if a guy who made, you know, $80 million in his career is not too good to bunt, I, I don't think you are. Uh, there's not a kid out there who's not too good to bunt. Mm-hmm. It's a lost art. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I had several kids this year that – you care if I drop one down? I, what I, you know what I'd tell them? 
you read it. And you get to the plate, you read it. You read where your runners are, and then, or you read where the fielders mm-hmm. are, and then absolutely you can. And we had some nice, we, we had some yeah. nice bunting. Yes, done. we did. And I'll tell you what, the kids who can bunt, they can play. There's a place for them. On that note, one thing we talk about, like with Doc Heidegg, I remember, is attitude. Mm-hmm. We talked about the importance of good attitude, not having a bad attitude. But talk about attitude as an athlete. Oh, or as a, if you don't have a good attitude, then you bring the team down. Mm-hmm. Parents, listen to this if you don't hear anything else. What you say at the breakfast table, at the dinner table, generally you're not going to be at lunch, and of course most of them aren't. What you say on the ride home or taking your kid to the game can make or break your child's attitude. In fact, that what that is what creates your child's attitude. And when you're contrary to what the coaches are doing, guess what? You're not making the decision. You're only hurting your child. Sure and you hurt the, the team. Yeah, and I'm sure through the years you've seen that ruin careers. Absolutely. In Absolutely. High careers. Absolutely. And because coaches are going to play the ones who are performing best. And sometimes your kid may not play as much as you think they ought to play. But if you'll keep a positive attitude and say, okay, if you don't understand, then you go talk to the coach. Sometimes maybe the kid's not that good, and, and but coaches generally will, will shoot straight with kids. Yeah. You know, they will. And that's what the kids need to understand. Okay, well, coach, I still want to play. I know you're telling me I'm not good enough. What can I do to improve? I guarantee you there's not a coach who's not going to say, Unless the kid just is never going to make it. And then the coach might say, well, you probably ought to take up some other organization. Because you might you might be better at that. Mm-hmm. You know, Doc Heidegg once said that if, you know, when a parent would come to talk to him about their child, uh-huh. uh, one of the things he used to say is, ask your child why he's not playing. He knows because we've been telling him. We've we've told him exactly why he's not on the field, if, if he's listening. If he's listening. And a lot of times, unfortunately, a lot of times they don't listen. Yep. You know, and, and, that's, and besides, that's not what the parent wants to hear. Parents would save themselves a whole lot of grief if they would open their eyes and recognize the truth. Yeah. And I've been around a lot of people over the years in sports. I can tell you there are some good ones, and there are some that that you just absolutely want to run from. But you know, some everybody knows everybody knows them too, and you know their kids. So, yes, you may think you're hiding behind something. The fact of the matter is, the stats don't lie. Yeah. Now, stats have to be taken for what they are. The scorebook doesn't lie. Your batting average may be 150. But you may have removed three runners over. You may have given yourself up three times in the game. You may have made four defensive plays. You may have made the heads-up play that saved the game. Everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knows. My Storm team, I have I have parents who keep track of stats on Game Changer and yeah. some of these things. Oh, yeah. I had a parent one time ask me, you know, who, who my best hitter was. And I, I told them my name. And they said, oh, did you get that from the batting average? I said, no. They said, what do you mean? I said, I don't have a clue what my kids' batting averages are. I, I'm not I'm not the type of coach that is all about the quote-unquote normal stats. Right. Because if I'm out there with them, we're playing, I know who my best hitter is. Yes. I know I don't have to have an average to tell me that. I know who run, who moves runners. I know right. who can bunt. Exactly. I know who can, who can execute the hit and run. Right. I know who my best defense players are. I don't have to have that. Some right. people need it. But I don't have to have that. No, and I'm the same way. I mean, you, you don't have to. And the stats, they don't lie, but they don't tell the whole story either. And the fact of the matter is, like you said, 
if you're watching, paying attention, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, you know who your best hitter is. I had three or four kids that I could always depend on on my summer team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll always be dependable. Now, does that mean that they're going to drive in the game-winning run every ball game? No, it doesn't. But uh, it means that they're the guy you want up there when the game's on the line in baseball. In basketball, you know where you want, want the ball in the last minute of the game. You know whose hands you want it in. Good teams, it finds them. Who's the greatest all-time leading scorer in college basketball history? Well, is Pistol Pete still? Pistol Pete, yeah. yeah. No one's even come close yeah. to challenging. What, 4,000 in three years? Averaged uh, well over, was it right at 40 a game, basically? Oh, he averaged over 40 a game. Yeah, 40 yeah. something a game. Yeah. How many NCAA tournament games did he play in? Well, he had a problem. He did have one major problem there. Yeah. The University of Kentucky was just always a little bit better. Yeah. We let Pete score 54 and Issel would score 50. No, he would, he score, would 60. score 64. Yeah. Issel would score 53 and Kentucky would win by 25. Yeah. You know, and you know, so that was Pete's problem. But you mm-hmm. know, Pete was the only thing LSU had and he was playing for his dad yeah. and he was a showman and all like that. Mm-hmm. But Pete Maravich was a heck of a basketball player yeah, too. He really right. was. When he got to the NBA, oh, he was. He, I mean, he was, he was a scorer in college, but he was a better passer. Oh yeah. You know, when you come right down to it. But like you said, the individual stuff didn't matter. You know, and that's the one of the things my dad used to, when I was in Little League, and we had some jealousy in the Reedland Little oh, League sure. about scoring points and whatever, and he yeah. said, you know, you can score all the points you want, but if you don't play as a team, you're not going to win. A team beats that one guy who can score 50 points a game exactly. or whatever. Exactly. So that's all. I've always had that in my head. Oh, yeah. You know, Dennis, one thing talking about Coach Hatcher, yeah. uh, you, you mentioned that at one time that you felt like you were an unpaid employee, unpaid employee of Alan Hatcher. So obviously Coach Hatcher had some type of charisma or personality or leadership style that, you, that attracted you. What, what was it about Coach Hatcher that, that attracted you to him? Once again, you go back to it and it, that it is that winning quality. He was a winner. He knew where he wanted to go, he knew the direction he wanted to take. He needed people to help him implement that, but he backed you 100%. And I'll tell you, uh, it was, he, he was always 100% behind us. We were on the same page. But now, also, uh, uh, Alan was, was the main mover, but, you know, I, I guess maybe there's a little more to it than that. But when you come right down to it, you knew he had the vision laid out. He was organized. He would listen to what you'd have to say if you had something. That, and, but he wanted people who would tell him if there was a better way of doing it. He was always looking for a better way. But most of the time, his way was the best way. You know, I listened to a, a leadership uh, video at work this mm-hmm. week, and they talked about that if you're a manager and you like yes man, you're probably not going to be very successful. So what no. you're saying is, obviously Coach Hatcher did not want yes man. He wanted people who would come up with new ideas. He changed over the years. I mean, the, his style of basketball. Now, one thing that I always wished he had done, I wish he would have let you guys would have turned the reins loose on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my own theories as to why he wouldn't do that. But Alan decided, and you know, and he gets a bone, he, he gets the rap. Part of it's justifiable. Hatcher ball. It got, that got to be a dirty word. You talk about the curse word. Right. Because of what he turned the game into, the slow paced basketball. But I also understand 
he was trying to win a state tournament. He felt like that was the best way he could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't, and, and as successful of a coach as he's been, I won't argue with him. It's not as much fun to watch, though. Yeah. His first teams, and now you all were fun to watch because he would let you all shoot, but yeah. you knew when, when to shoot and when not to shoot. But what if he had turned you guys loose? I always wondered if he just turned you loose and let you roll. Well, you know, Dennis, I'll interject. He made a comment to me. You know, we beat Clay County, number one team right. in the state. Oh, yeah. We were walking to the interview room, and I, I may have told this story before. Really proud of myself. I hit five or six three-pointers, had a great game. Yeah, and did. I recall he tried to call a timeout during right toward the end of the game, when, and I pulled up and hit a three from the uh, hash, not the hash, but the uh, yeah. elbow. Yeah, big because they had cut, we had a huge lead, yes. and we've just beaten the number one team in the state, right? Right. And a friend of mine from Lexington uh, came down and said, hey, can, you know, talking to me after the game, he said, you're mad. I said, yeah. I said, we just about blew a game that we should have won by 30 points. That's right. He said, you just beat the number one team in the state. I said, doesn't mean I'm still, that I can't be mad. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I was, but go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. But, but he said, on the way to the interview room, he put his arm around me and he said, great game. He said, uh, did you know when you hit that last three, I was trying to call timeout? And I said, no, coach, I didn't. And he said, well, because I'm just glad you hit it, because if you had missed it, it had been the last shot you'd ever taken in your career. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about keeping yeah. the range oh, time. Yeah, you, yeah. you hit it on yeah, the head. Yeah, oh, that's, that's the way Alan coached. I yeah. mean, uh, but he was very successful, obviously. He was, he was. And, and I think that's, that's why success breeds success. Yeah. And people want to be around a winner. Alan, his program was first. Yeah. That's all there was to it. Yeah. And you did it his way. Times have changed. It's a different time. It's a different time. for sure. And parents, you know, a lot of parents won't go for something like that. You know, I always thought if if, uh, my son wasn't the greatest basketball player in the world, he could have played for Alan Hatcher because he was coachable. You know, I ran into him years later after I'd graduated college and been in Mississippi for a while. Yeah. I ran into him at the regional tournament, and they had gotten, I think, upset in the district. Uh-huh. And um, I saw him. We talked for a second, and he looked at me, and he's still coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he looked at me and said, uh, can you believe that I had a kid miss practice the Sunday before the regional? I said, no, sir, I can't believe that at all. And he said, would you have done that? I said, no, sir. And I said, you know, we'd run through walls for you. Right. And, and we would have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At his back. And he said, and he looked at me, he said, kids are different these days. Yeah. He goes, it's a different group of kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? And I, I've seen that over the last few years, especially in baseball. Mm-hmm. And Billy Thorpe ran into that when he was coaching baseball at Marshall County. Yeah. He can tell you from his, from the first years he was coaching at uh, Livingston, Reedland, and then helping out at Marshall County to the time he was head coach at Marshall County. Players changed. Yeah, the, different the, world. The world has changed. Well, now, Dennis, we've got a little urban legend. I think we need to discuss <laughs> here for a second. Oh, gee. In the uh, You're trying to embarrass me now. Yeah, yeah, we, we've okay. got to do this. That's fair enough. So, in the mid '80s, there was a really popular cheer at Marshall County. It was, uh, as I recall, it went. When when another player would foul from another team, they the chant would be, "You can't do that, Hoghead." H o g h e a d, Hoghead, Hoghead, Hoghead. You, you may recall it that quite well. Yes, yes, yeah. I do recall that. So, so Dennis, you were sharing with us, and I recall this story. But yeah. Talk to us about uh, that that they came out not wanting that cheer done, and you were writing for the paper. Tell, yeah. tell us that story. Well, uh, Gene Brooks, I think the only time he he ever told me he was mad at me, and Mister Brooks and I were good friends, still are good friends for that matter. He was principal when Ann, my wife, started teaching at Marshall County High School. Well, they didn't like the cheer. 
the administration didn't. And you know as well as that, when you get a bunch of high school kids together and the administration doesn't like something, that's all the more reason they are going to do it. Uh, again, I'm not saying they should do it that way, uh, but that's just the nature of kids. That cheer originated, you know, in Livingston County. It was a game. It was a snow game. Yeah. Uh, and as I recall, Brad Goheen, we mentioned some of the people. Right. Brad Goheen, yeah. uh, Stephen Poole, you right. mentioned. Yes. Kent Philbeck. Was it Kent? I'm not sure. That's, I think so, but I'm not 100% yeah, sure about that. I think that. Kent I know was Jeff there. Byers was in the middle Jeff of Byers, it. Jeff Byers, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that was one, of, that was the night it originated that I recall. Right. Yes. So we, we had talked about yes. that. But go, anyway, go on and finish your story. Well, anyways, uh, I write this column in the Tribune about, you know, how the, how just, how bad this cheer was and that, you know, Marshall County is better than that you know we have more class and and the, these kids you know they they just shouldn't be cheering this and, and all like that i don't know when the next home game was but anyway there was a newspaper that came out after that and there hadn't been a game and there was a letter to the editor uh was written by one of those four uh at that time my mother was the editor of the newspaper she saved it and gave it to me uh but what was funny is they missed the first part uh because they the way it was written, there was a paragraph that was written on the back side that was actually the beginning of the letter, but they didn't catch that, and they read the, wrote the rest of the letter. Anyway, it pretty much took me to task and uh, let me know that, that I was wrong. Okay, well, fine. I, it's just my opinion. Uh, so next home game, uh, first foul on an opposing player, and instead of you can't do this hoghead, I heard the chant, you can't do that, Dennis. And they spelled out my name. So I, I hold a place in, 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 uh, infamy, if you will, at Marshall County High School for being the only person who Hoghead got personalized for. Yeah. Uh, and then as I recall, they, they later welcomed you into their cheering section. Right? Uh, I went over and cheered with them. I was a good sport about it. Uh, I, the more I thought about it, I still don't didn't like the cheer, and I told them that. I said, but on the other hand, y'all are high school students. Do what you want to do. If, if, if that's the worst thing that you do, mm-hmm. is that really so bad? And really, it was all in good fun. Yeah. And I think that's what they were trying to tell me. Jeff Byers and I still laugh about it. In fact, uh, John Solomon and I were talking about it mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. I was over trading vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and he and his wife, they, they still laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. And you know, the school spirit then was so great. You oh, it know? was. It, I mean, packed gyms, uh, student that, sections, standing room only in it. It, it was so tournament great. Tournament time, you were standing in line to get chair seats for the regional tournament and it was great. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the atmosphere was great. The only way, but you know, to recapture that, mm-hmm. and I've had people ask me, how do you recapture that? You start from the very beginning. You start with the younger generation. Cause I'm afraid we've lost a generation. Yeah. I really, I, I'm really afraid of that. Yeah. But on the other hand, winning brings people back too, but, uh, it all goes hand in hand. A lot of times, uh, we're, we're seeing an attitude where people don't care if they win or not. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. Yeah. That's a shame because that's Marshall County, the high school sports at the high school has always been something that our entire community, that was our common thread. Mm-hmm. And it, 
still can be. Mm-hmm. No reason it can't be. You know, it's the flame that brought this McCracken, this Reedland moth to Marshall County. Yeah, sure. It was the, just the, the support of the community, the, the attraction of going and playing in a gym that's full oh, every, yeah. every night, no matter right. who you're playing. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's what pulled me in. The, yeah. That and the Hatcher percent, the, Absolutely. Uh, the magnetism. Oh yeah, yeah, no so. doubt, no doubt. Well, Dennis, man, I appreciate the time you've given us. And, Enjoyed it. Uh, and everything. And so, uh, uh, again, uh, we appreciate it. We'll have to have you back sometime. Sounds like play, a winner. Play, I think, Dennis, one one last thing. You know, we talk about winning and, and success in sports. How would you define success from an athletic or a sports standpoint? What What is the thing that that, that word means to you? In, in very simple terms, maximizing your physical talents, uh, along with your mental abilities, uh, and doing it in such a way that you bring your best every time you step onto the, to the field or the court. I think it's, I think it's that simple. If you can maximize your talents, uh, and get the most out of what you have and give it every time you play, then I think you're successful because winning, if you do that, Winning will take care of itself, and I think that's the key to success. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Winning takes care of itself. That's a that's a common thread through these successful coaches that we've talked to, right. and and you know you've been around a lot of these successful coaches here at Marshall County and Absolutely. and elsewhere, and, and it does seem to do that if you get them because very few people do get the best out of themselves. You know, that's right. The, the ones who do are the champions. That's right. No question about it. Yeah. No question. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot. All right.